Hey guys, this is Joy. It's February, the month of love, or something like that, Ooh, isn't it? I, I mean, know. I guess. <laughs> people get really people get really snarky about Valentine's Day. They you either are just like, cool, or people are like, what? It's a made-up holiday. It's a made-up holiday. It's a, it's a Hallmark holiday. It's a it's Hallmark holiday. And to that I say, let's just Let celebrate live love. Lives. It's okay. Also, it's notably, fine. Black History Month. So happy mm-hmm. Black History Month. First day of Black History Month. I, back to the Valentine's Day thing when I worked at a florist, the amount of, I, as you guys don't remember, I worked at a florist all through college. That was like my college job. It was very fun. It was like a wedding planner slash floral situation. It was a perfect college job because the summers were so busy and the winters were like kind of downtime, except for Valentine's Day. And I remember <laughs> I one time had jury duty the day before Valentine's Day. And I was like, you can't make me come to this. I have to go to work. They were like, that's not a real thing. I was like, you don't understand. We called it floral warfare. Like for days leading up to it, we'd be working until midnight. Because the thing about flowers is like you can't, there's only so much you can do ahead of time because the flowers will die. So you yeah. you have to make them like the day before. So yeah, yeah. My uncle drives a float in the rose parade every year, and he will always send pictures of like they can build the float, they can construct a lot of the stuff that will stay for longer, like as far as the types of plants that are going to be on the float. But there are hundreds of volunteers putting flowers into that float the night before, just so it looks like <laughs> fresh. Holy, and I can't imagine. Die. It's, it, I mean, that is, to me, I always think, like, that is, and these floats are so, if you've ever watched the Rose Parade, like, right, these floats enormous. are thousands of flowers, and it is pretty impressive. So, I always think about that, of just how hard they work, anyway. And then after the Rose Parade, businesses and family in that area just get loaded with flowers for their shops oh, to, like, put yeah. on tables. Because, like, they have right. to get rid of them. Yeah. So they don't – and they don't want to waste them. So my uncle's always, like, carting them around to, like, hospitals and restaurants and people he has relationships with to be like, here, take some beautiful flowers. That's kind of a cool perk. It's – it is pretty cool. But, yeah, Valentine's Day. Did you – I always, like, you know me with my palace intrigue. Did you ever get, like, weird <laughs> – weird like not for valentine's day basic well i mean every every year you would have like something that was especially thoughtful or cute or someone would bring in like oh this was you know the vase that sat on our table for our wedding can you put the arrangement in this and like just really thoughtful things like that but and then of course like every once in a while we would get because this was back in the day before online ordering and so you would have to call the shop i mean we did have some online ordering but it was the vast like really the minority most sure most people would call in and so you would have to like take their card message verbally over the phone (laughs) and first of all yeah here's a pro tip if you are going to call a flower shop be ready with what to say because Probably 90% of the people, you'd be like, okay, what do you want to say on the card? And they'd be like, oh, uh, I don't know. What do you think? And you're like, I don't know. She's not my girlfriend. What are you going to say, dude? But every once in a while, you'd get one where it was like, I'm so sorry. I really messed up. Please forgive me. And you're like, please, I just want to know the story behind this so bad. <laughs> but you can <laughs> Yeah. Where was the infidelity? What yeah, happened? Yeah, exactly. Please, please tell me what dish. happened. Did you like, did you drop something and it shattered or did you cheat? <laughs> yeah. Like, did you forget an anniversary or do you have a mistress which one is it please tell me i want to know yeah 
And then, of course, there were some years where people would get really mad at us because we would like mess something up. And I was like, my my friend, if uh, this is causing this big of a rift in your relationship, it's your relationship. You know what I get nervous about, too? Speaking of like not being ready when you're on the phone about ordering something or like, I can't I get so nervous when I'm with a group of people and someone the server comes up and was like, can I take your order? And someone just picks up a menu and starts reading through it. And it's like, um, no, like, no, 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 you have to know. Like, just t- They have so much work to do. Just tell them you're not ready. Just tell them you need a couple more minutes. But nothing makes me more anxious than watching someone look right. through the menu and decide while the <laughs> server is waiting there. Where I'm like, if you're not ready, just tell them to just move on. Come back in five minutes, give us more time. And, the server's I, standing and there I've like, never been a server, but I'm sure servers would agree. Um, or are you used to that? But I, I do love a server story where they're like, I'm like, tell me about the customers that you just like really want to. Or maybe we have some people in the chat today. <laughs> Joanna says, does anyone else avoid calling anywhere for anything? Yes. I feel like that oh, is man. like a- talking on the phone. Why is that? Why are we so averse know. to that these days? Why? Why? Because we don't have to do it. and We're out of practice. Like I always make my kids be the ones to go up and ask for things if we're somewhere because I need them yes. to get the practice. Like, to this get is used like, to that. This yes. is something that you are going to have to overcome. And if you are afraid of like going up and, you know, asking a question or asking for something at a restaurant or wherever, it's going to hold you back in life. Susan says, my dad yeah. used a small florist. One year they called and asked if he had forgotten to order anniversary flowers. He freaked out and sent my mom a huge bouquet. Only the date was wrong. And my mom was like, who did you marry this day? <laughs> Whoopsie. Um, Whoopsie. That's a really funny thing about the, that that florist would be like, we're helping you out. No, nope, you caused a problem. <laughs> caused a big It's a good problem. business model, though. Like, yeah. cause a fight and yeah. then have to solve it. Jacqueline says, I just got back from vacation with my in-laws and found out they are that family. The one that picks up the menus as the server walks up to the table for I the first know, time. I don't know, man. I need to hear from some servers about, like, if you give a little bit of, like, breathing room for people to do that. I or mean, if you're just like, please. If, if you're choosing between one or two things, or if you're the type of person who can make a snap decision, like, fine. If in the amount of time that it takes the other people to order, you're just kind of sitting there looking and you're like, okay, I figured it out in like the 10 seconds that I've been scanning the menu. But I'm not that type of person. I need to read the menu multiple times to make sure I'm choosing the right thing. But if they come up to me and I know that maybe it's been, because you know, like when you go to dinner, it's like, you know, Jess and I, you and I are going to dinner. Right, we're like chatting. I'll look ahead, but I will look ahead at the menu to be like, all right, I just already know what I want. Or if they've been sent back a couple of times because we're quote unquote still deciding. Right. Then AKA like, we haven't looked at the menu. Put your game face then on. I'll like table this. Put I a will pin get, in the combo. Put a pin, and then I will also get really nervous. And sometimes I'll just pick something that I don't really want, but I'm just like, I just, <laughs> I'll just take this. <laughs> um, I really get self conscious about that, man. I really do. <laughs> Studying yeah. the menu online the night before, I do that. I really do that. I'm the just worst like, is when have- you have a plan, and then they're like, "Oh, we don't. We're out of that tonight," and you're like. <gasps> The plan, though. Yeah, but my the plan, plan has been foiled. Yeah. <laughs> or they like start talking about some specials that you really find appealing and they're like, I don't. Yeah. I mean, so basically going to a restaurant feels a little vulnerable pressure for me. <laughs> I just feel I just like the people pleaser in me comes out where yeah. I'm just like, I just want to be I want to make my role in life. And this goes along with my job, too, is like I never want to be the person that makes someone else's job harder. That's always I operate from that mindset of like anything that I do that messes up that like cuts off the flow of someone else job else's job I get like really freaked out about that I mean it's the same when we're traveling like you know when you're going through and they're scanning your ticket and something happens and you're like ah ah the whole 
I'm holding up the whole line. But unfortunately, not everyone operates that way. So you do get those people who just act like they are the only person flying. So I try to just swing the opposite direction. You're trying to compensate very for other aware. people's. I just am always aware of, of people who are working and doing a, like, yeah, like yesterday morning, we were flying home from Maryland. And <laughs> Scott has priority boarding, and he's got status or whatever. And so whenever we book together, he has to do everything from his reservation, because then I get kicked up to his status. Well, yesterday, or whatever, 24 hours before the flight, I was like, do you want us to check us in? He's like, sure. I think he assumed that I knew how to check in based like with using his status. I accidentally put his bag, like one bag on his reservation and one bag on my reservation where you have to put both bags on his reservation if you're checking in a bag because then it's free. So we get to the check-in and it was like only one bag and Scott's like, well, you know, you have to put both. And I'm like, I'm sorry. And then like the gate guy's just watching us like, so what are you going to do here? So I felt really stupid because I'm like, well, first of all, just, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And it was funny because the gate check guy was like, I don't care. Just someone please print your boarding right, pass. Right, they're so like, you know? I really, I'm, I do not have time for this. I don't like, care how, please. I don't care who booked it. I'm not going to charge you because I obviously see that he has status, right. but can someone just like, just like, instead of arguing about it, make a call. Can you imagine so like silly. the petty squabbles that you would witness as the baggage counter guy? Like that oh, is my God. The that is, place I mean, I just for like think the, about, the marriage squabble. Oh, like you have gotten oh. to the airport. Well, I thought you were going to pack that. No, I told you that you, like this, there's got to be some or like squabbles. people who have the overweight bags that they have to like start putting clothes on or I don't know how they do yeah, that. What do people do in that scenario? Just bag. I've, I've heard people like just wear the clothes. They like start putting layers of clothes on, which to me, I'm just like, that makes me feel instantly hot. Especially. Okay. But, let's think about this. If you are like five yeah. pounds over and you're trying to put on five pounds of clothes, that's a lot of clothes. That's a lot. That's like, that's like Joey and that Thanksgiving yeah. episode Could or whatever. Are you wearing any more clothes? <laughs> What if I do some lunges in these clothes? So anyway, it was just really an interesting. Okay, so there's here's another funny. Speaking of like people witnessing stuff, we had, and I'll talk more about the trip, but we had this Airbnb that was lovely. If you're ever in the California, Maryland, Hollywood, Maryland area, I have a great Airbnb recommendation. But they have a ring camera because they have to kind of monitor who's coming and going in their house, understandably so, if they book a reservation for six people and there's like 20 people coming to their house, they want to know about it. So they're like, yeah, we have a ring camera. And I knew this the whole time, but the morning of Jay's ceremony, we're all like trying to rush out the door. We have three different cars. People are starting to kind of do that. I I don't like hurting cats. I don't like people who can't make decisions in that moment. I'm like, okay, someone's got to make a decision. We got to get going. So we're all sitting out in front of the house. Everyone's locked up the house. So-and-so is like, okay, we're going to drive this car. Okay, mom and dad, you're coming with us. Well, their car has more room, so we should drive their car. My dad's like, I don't have the keys. I didn't bring the keys. I'll have to go in and get the keys. Scott's like, I don't have the keys. And I am just like, someone make a decision. I start yelling. And I'm like, we're going in our car. Mom and dad, you go in our car. So Scott, you go get the keys. I turn around and I'm starting to punch in the numbers. And I'm like saying some choice words. Right, under your breath. um, under my breath. And I'm just, 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 I look over, I'm like, well, the ring camera's picking up this entire scenario. I am sure they see this all the time. And I, I almost wanted to write the girl and be like, sorry for that show you just saw. And I was kind of embarrassed. But at the same time, like, who cares? They see that. I'm sure they see that all the time. That's so funny. Airbnb people. You know what? We just gotta be, <laughs> we're humans just doing the best we can. That's really what it it's comes true. down to. So tell us a little bit more. Last week, you told us about the change of command ceremony you're going to for your twin brother. And that's a huge deal. And how did it go? So, 
Yeah, so for people who may have missed, like, I don't know, previous episodes, I don't talk a ton about my brother, but he's um, in the Marine Corps, and he was promoted to colonel in the fall, and he then took over the squadron. They do a huge change of command, which basically he's taking over the entire department and oversees everything. So they do this really big ceremony, which is a very big deal in the military. So we flew out for that. The whole family came out. It was so much fun. So Thursday was the event. And basically, they have everyone that is in that squadron and, you know, works for that department come out and witness the ceremony. They have all the other officers there and they do, you know, the commanding officer who's in that seat does a speech to kind of talk about the work that he's done. And then they do this changing of, it's almost like changing of the guard where they hand over the flag, um, very military style marching type of thing. Um, and then Jay did a speech to kind of talk about what he plans to do with his role, you know, what, how everything that influenced him to get to where he is now. I don't know what I was expecting, because I've never been to a change of command. I mean, obviously, Jay's been to probably a million of them. And I don't know what I mean, I know enough about his job. But it's one of those things where everything is so top secret, that I don't know what he does. I know kind of what he does. But this was a way for us to see kind of exactly what he does. And it was, I think I try not to think about it too much because it's really overwhelming. And I know that the things that he has done and seen in his career is like beyond my comprehension. But the glimpse that we saw into his life and his career and being able to go there and see all the people attend and all the people that work with him and respect him. And shout out to Charlotte. Charlotte listens to the podcast. It's his secretary. Uh, I got to meet her. It was really cute because when I walked in the room, she like, you could tell when she instantly recognized me and I was like, you must be Charlotte. She was so sweet. In a nutshell, it was one of those ceremonies where I was just like, whoa, this is so life changing on so many levels just because to be able to witness him in that powerful position and just how hard he's worked to get there. And then we had friends from high school, his high school buddies showed up that I haven't seen probably since high, like close to high school or maybe our 10-year high school reunion. Um, And these were guys that we like ran around town with and like caused a lot of trouble. So it was just like one of those things where you're kind of instantly go back to that time in your life. And then I think what killed me Oh, like completely just floored me as we were upstairs. They had like this little ceremony beforehand. It was like a little breakfast ceremony, like with just family, like close family and friends before we went down to watch the change of command. And Jay's sitting up there. He's like, yeah, I just got a call from Coach McCain. He can't get through the gate because you had to have like major security clearance to get on base. So Jay had to caravan us all in a row with every car together and be like, these last five cars are with me. So you can't just like willy nilly drive up to go to the change of command. It was like very strict. Everyone had to send like their driver's licenses beforehand. And so he's like, Coach McCain can't get on the base. I'm, I've got to call down to the base. I'm, he's frustrated because he's like, I gave them their names. And I'm like, wait, Coach McCain is coming to this? And he's like, yeah, my stomach literally just like fell out of my butt type of feeling because Coach McCain was Jay's football coach when we were kids. Coach McCain, if you're from Mesa, Arizona, you know that family. It is, he was a god in that city and he ran our football program. He was, you know, this huge character that when you're walking around campus, it was one of those people that's like a celebrity in the school. 
and he had such an impact on Jay and has Jay's kind of kept in touch with him over the years. And uh, he came to the change of command ceremony with his wife, like from Mesa, Arizona, California, Maryland is not easy to get to. It's like, you got to fly into Baltimore. It's like an hour and a half drive to get to this small. I mean, it's like, it's a haul. And Coach McCain is in his 70s, you know, so it's not like he's the spring chicken just like bopping around. And so I was just floored that he came to watch Jay in the ceremony. And I just about lost it just thinking about how, you know, all the people that truly influence you over your over your life and like to where you are today and how that influenced you. So when he was talking about like in his speech, he referenced my dad, he referenced Coach McCain, he talked about his, you know, his kids and his wife. It was like, he he's so funny. He, he approaches everything with a lot of humor too. So he's really good about like inserting humor. But I was, we were sitting in the front row with my dad and um, I could just, you know, my dad would, uh, Coach McCain was sitting behind us, but my dad, every once in a while, would break down, and my dad couldn't talk like that whole morning. Shit, why I am I crying? It's because um, it's a big deal. I know you texted uh, Jess and I, and you were like, "It's so cute. My dad is so emotional. He won't even talk to us. Like, can't even." I mean, that morning it was like he. And we were all fine because we were just like so excited for Jay, but my dad was really quiet, and I heard him say to my mom, "He was like, I'm feeling really. What did he say? I'm feeling really fragile." And he just like wouldn't talk. Aww. And we were just like sitting at the breakfast table. And I'm like, Dad, are you okay? And he, he couldn't say anything. He just like was mute. He could not say anything because he was going to cry. And I think he was just like, I just don't want to. He said, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to fall. Like, cause he's, I don't know why he was thinking he was going to fall. He's not like right. out of he's balance these days. But I think he was just like really worried about like making a good impression. And, you know, it was just so funny. But so every once in a while while Jay was talking, he would like reach in his his pocket and pull out his his little like oh did he brought a hanky (laughs) no it's freaking paper towels he like yeah that's that tracks always paper towels and so (laughs) he would pull out his paper towels and like cry and i would always have my hand around him or like when jay was referencing my dad and told stories fuck um when we were kids and like you know how much of an influence my dad had on him to like get to where he is and you know, taking him to the airport all the time. And like, my dad was an aircraft mechanic. So he was always like, working on planes. And so he told some like, really funny stories. And then he, you know, referenced some things my dad said that stuck with him. And then the same with Coach McCain, like, Coach McCain always said, it's a good day to be alive. And so Jay's like, that always stuck with me. And so he kind of had like these quotable moments for every person that was an influence in his life, and kind of wrapped it up at the end of like, these are the things that have contributed to where I am. And, you know, he just said some like really cool stuff about the type of leader he's going to be. And it made me realize too, like how scary their job is. Like they, they respond to the things that are happening in our country right now. Their squadron responds to all the things to defend our country right now that I don't think I really stopped to think about because, you know, you don't want to think about that. And, you don't realize like how they like that's their everyday. That's just like that's that's their life and they're defending their country is their priority and like how noble that was and is. So we just were all like, you know, beside ourselves and after and my dad was really cute because, you know, every time he would kind of cry, I'd put my arm around him and I would just like rub his back and after the ceremony, which again was amazing, I I posted the speech on my Facebook page. 
because I was like, I just want to remember this forever. It was so cool to watch him. And I know it's probably more meaningful to me because it's my brother. But after we stood up, Coach McCain pulled him pulled me aside and I, I don't think he remembered me much, but I told him, I was like, I was on the bunnies. I was a cheerleader. Like I totally remember you coach McCain. And he, and he was like, that's amazing. He's like, did we win? <laughs> I was like, we won a lot. You were great. He said, I just want to tell you, this is such a coach. Like he's forever a coach, like someone who just leaves words with you that you'll always remember. He's like, I just want to tell you the way you take care of your dad is really special. And because I think he saw me the whole time, like just caring for my dad. And at one point, my dad wanted me to help him up because we had to keep standing up and sitting down and sitting up and sitting down. And he's like, I just want to say, like, you are such a special person. And the way that you take care of your dad is really special. So, you know, leaving that weekend was, A, just really powerful to um, watch him do exactly what he does in a way that I've never seen before because we've never been able to for obvious reasons, but to see him accomplish so much in his career. And not only that is Jay is so kind to everybody. Like he is, he is, he recognizes everyone that plays a part in that job. Like the civilian people who clean the floors and the people who are just quote unquote, like lower ranks, he does not act like, holier than thou just because of his rank. And I saw that and I've always known that because he's always told me how even when he was like on a aircraft carrier, he gave credit to all the people, the mechanics working on his plane. He's like, yeah, what I do is cool. But he's like, I, the people who really make everything go is the people who are working on my plane to make it safe. And so just to kind of see the relationships that he's built with people and like, it was just really cool. So... Um, and then we partied a lot, we celebrated a lot, but I think you're kind of hearing me recount it in the first time, like how, I I think I texted you and Jess, I was like, that was just like life changing. I think it also made me like, gave me a lot of perspective too, of when I see him, he's always been a good barometer for me of like what I'm doing in my life. You know, I think in the past few months, I've been talking a lot about just like, "Mm, my seasonal affective disorder, (laughs) like the things where I'm like when I saw that, I'm like, okay, you gotta, you gotta get your shit together. My water bottle takes too long to fill up. (laughs) 1000%. I was like, I need more times like this with my brother to like bring me back down. And it just, again, kind of reiterates like how important it is to be around family. What was the other one recently? Um, Oh, I didn't want to chew. (laughs) Yeah. I texted you the other day that I was like, I'm having some chicken breast around right now. And I'm so annoyed about it. It's taking too long to chew. But I mean, that to me, he's such an inspiration. He's so humble. He's so funny. He's just like, everyone loves him. And just, again, like, to see the impact of the people that showed up for him in his life and for him to acknowledge that was, he made everyone feel special and everyone feel seen. Um, I think he's going to be an amazing leader. It's amazing to have a an opportunity in your life to, like, sit the people down who've been, who've had an influence on you and and like articulate this is how you influenced me and made me who I am today this is how you influenced me and made me who I am today like 
there's really so few times, like, you know, a lot of times we don't get to say that about people in a formal setting until it's their funeral. And we say, this is how this person. 1000%. So for him to be able to say that to your dad, to say that to the coach, like to say that to all the people around him is so cool. It was, I mean, and he went through a lot of people and thanked them and recognized them. And he said, the way that I lead is an upside down pyramid. Um, the people are what matter. I'm supporting you. I just want to support you. And he starts today. I texted him this morning. I was like, have a good first day. And he's like, yeah, I just got to get all the pilots together and talk about our plan and what I expect from them and, you know, how I can support them. But it, I mean, his job is truly amazing. And that squadron is truly amazing. He, uh, Scott was really cute. He was like, we all got to go to the base on Saturday to just like, get a tour. And he let us like buy some stuff from their little store. They have like a little indie store where you can like buy hats that have their squadron logo on it and everything. And so no one was there, but Scott said, Jay picked up his flight log and he's like, yeah, here's my flight log. Here are all the things that I've done over my career. I mean, pages and pages and pages of his flights. And the ones in red are combat missions. And Scott was like, there were so many red lines. And your brother's like hand was shaking while he was like showing it to me. And Jay's not, Jay's like pretty mentally stable. (laughs) Unlike me, I'm just kidding. But like Jay's never been one to have like a disposition for mental, not mental health stuff, but just like, he just doesn't swing that way. Right. He swings He's on the very, opposite like, side of like, things. To- yeah, stuff just doesn't get to him yeah. in that way. Like, it's not that he ignores it. It just, he's like kind of steady like that. But Scott was like, yeah, when I saw him like showing me his flight log, like these are all the insights I've never gotten to like talk to him about. And, you know, at his party and like thing, I know he can't tell me everything, but there's like, I had so many questions. It was so cool. Like, there were so many things where I'm like, oh my gosh, do you know a lot of Navy SEALs? I mean, and again, like the things that they respond to, he's like, I mean, just they get a call from someone up that's like, we need this right now. And they're like, all right, we'll get that over to you. It's like beyond beyond our comprehension. So we both, Scott and I both left on that trip. We were like, that really inspired us to kind of like, not like we're not like we don't do anything with our life. But again, like that perspective where we're like, right, okay, we just, just like, stepped up a notch. We just stepped up. A notch. <laughs> gives you an, an appreciation of the scale. Yeah. The scale has been, re, you know, recalibrated. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you for hanging with me. Um, let's yeah, let's let's wrap that up. And um do you want to take a quick break? Let's break for some wonderful sponsorship. Let's do that. Because that feels like a good, that feels like a hug. I agree. Um, our sponsor this week is the makers of our favorite CBD products, Ned. We know them. We love them. Hopefully you love them too. And if you have not tried them, we really, really hope that you will. I use their daily blend, 750 milligram tincture every single day. Joy loves their sleep blend. I've recently been drinking the pomegranate mellow at night for a little like sleepy girl cocktail. Got Brandon into the sleep blend. Brandon is someone who not only has a hard time falling asleep, but will also wake up a lot during the night. And the sleep blend, he wakes up every morning after taking that and is like, I had the craziest dreams. To him, that is like his barometer to know that he got a lot of deep sleep is when he has a bunch of dreams that he remembers. Because a lot of times, if he's not taking it, he doesn't even sleep long enough to like feel like he's getting to the point of dreaming. So he loves the sleep blend, but it also doesn't make you feel groggy, which is huge. You wake up feeling rested, not like you have to 
overcome this like veil of sleep pills or something that you had to take. So those are my favorites. And enjoy. you've been recently trying their new de-stress blend. How's that going? I love the de-stress blend because, you know, I do love the sleep blend, but sometimes during the day you want something a little bit just to kind of take you down a notch. So I've been trying the de-stress blend. That's been lovely, especially in the afternoons when I'll have that, not craving, but every once in a while I'll be like, oh, should I have a glass of wine? Or oh, should I have a beverage? And like, no, let's just bring myself down naturally. Look, no judgment, whatever, do what you got to do. But that for me was like, oh, I want to try try to find something that's like a little more natural. Same with the mellow, where I just make a beverage, make a little mellow cocktail, if you will. A little um, nightcap. And I'm really little nightcap, loving those. I love the Shut I Chai. Use a little frother, started making them for Scott. Really, you can't go wrong with any of their products. We hope that you will try out Ned. If you haven't already, you can go to helloned.com, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash joy or use discount code joy for 15% off your first order. Thank you guys so much for supporting the brands that support our podcast. Well, speaking of careers and things that are kind of leveling us up, we had a listener ask us about our careers and kind of how yeah. we got to where we are. I did a little like Q&A on Instagram last week, which by the way, I got, I ended up only getting through like five questions. <laughs> so sorry about that. Happens sometimes you have the best of intentions and then your day just does not go the way you think it's going to. So, but somebody did write, like, have you guys done an episode on your careers? And we thought this would be a good time to do that. We've talked a lot on and off about our different jobs, but we've never kind of like sat down and been like, this is where I got to, this is how I got to where I am. So I, as you guys probably know, work in marketing for Smartwool, which is a Merino performance apparel brand. And um, we are owned by a parent company called VF Core, which also owns like the North Face and Timberland, Dickies, Vans, a couple other brands. I have been working there for a little over two years. The way that I, basically what I do at work is I oversee all of our North American marketing in a perfect world. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. That doesn't, that doesn't always feel like what I'm doing. But that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And what that means is that I sort of ideate and execute all of our e-commerce marketing in partnership with our paid media. We have a paid media dedicated manager as well as an agency. And then I also work with our email. Uh, we have a CRM manager who I work with. And then I also oversee and help support our wholesale marketing. So anything that like goes into like an REI or something, signage, digital campaigns, um, different, those sort of different things. I started out my career. I graduated from college in 2009 when there were no jobs, none jobs, especially none entry-level jobs. And so I spent about two years at unpaid internships working for free random gear. And like when I was a raft guide, I was an unpaid raft guide. Like that's how few jobs there were. And I would just like eat the extra food that came uh, that was like left over after the, the raft trips. So I just ate like a ton of old lunch meat and like a bunch of ramen. For some reason, a lot of quinoa. Kids don't like quinoa. <laughs> so I got to eat it all. I, my first like real job was in 2000, the beginning of 2011. And my friend's mom was an HR lead for this like random um, legal software company. And she was like, we're looking for like a true entry level marketing assistant. Like, I think that you could do this. And at the time I was like, I really want to go into journalism. But as we all know, during the 2008 recession, journalism like totally shit the bed. And so it wasn't looking good for me. So I took this marketing job because she was like, you're good at communicating. Like if, you know, I, I majored in English in college. She was like, you're good at communicating. 
you're good at like writing stuff, you know, this will be a good way for you to use those skills. And I had never really thought about marketing as a potential for me. I just like hadn't really thought about business. I really thought I was going to, my whole life, I thought I was going to be a writer. So I was like, I'm going into journalism. I've never really considered you anything that. else. Yeah. I, yeah. What were your like, not like dreams, but what drew you to that do you think I always was a writer when I was growing up like starting in first grade I was like in writing workshops I used to like win writing awards as a kid like I was always writing if I was not reading I was writing so growing up it was just always like yeah this is what I love to do and this is I'm going to make a job out of this turns out it's really hard to make a job out of that even as a journalist journalism is really competitive Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And not very lucrative. So I'm kind of grateful that my friend's mom did say, hey, listen, marketing is a place where you also can use that communication, that like drive for communication. and Like opening your mind to something else that would still utilize those similar skills. It's just not the exact path that you thought you'd go to. Right. And it like scratches a similar itch. It's like you're trying to communicate. You're trying to, you know, you want to write because you like being creative and you like using that to connect with people and like marketing also provides that in an actionable way as well. I also have to say people who can write like that. I mean, it truly is a God given skill because I have a friend when I was one of my first jobs was a writer like in journalism before she went on to get a master's degree in counseling. But the way that she could just pop out an email that was like so articulate and made sense in minutes. And I know that's how you write too. And I'm just like, I don't, that's truly a God-given talent. It is not Yeah, I mean, it's also like I, as a child, just did it all the time. So like I did have a natural proclivity for it but also i have probably spent you know like the ten thousand hour rule that remember that fear that theory that was like yeah mm-hmm. it takes ten thousand hours to be an expert at something i'm not exaggerating when i say i've probably spent fifty thousand hours in my life writing just because mm-hmm. you know not only because i did it as a starting as at a really young age but also like i was an english major i was writing papers constantly like i just have a lot of experience with somebody saying like here's a topic please produce a thousand words on this now was that from tipping point by malcolm gladwell i think so i know it was from one of his books one of yeah. Malcolm Gladwell's. I, once I got that job, I kind of just stayed in marketing. I worked at a super tiny agency for a little while that did, um, basically helped like what we now, you know, like when you're on Instagram and everyone's like, set up your affiliate marketing, that's been around forever. And so I basically worked for an agency that helped people do affiliate marketing um, in the early, like around the time I was getting married, like around the time we started this podcast, that was my job. And mm-hmm. then I worked in sponsorship marketing for a little while, which I hated because account management was like really not my jam. I took things way too personally, figured out how to not take things personally and quit that job. Then I if you guys remember for like a how year. How did you just learn how to not take things personally? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. <laughs> I hit rock bottom. I, the only thing that, com- the only, really, did you? Okay. Don't you remember that? Yes. No, the only thing I can think of is maturity. Like yeah, maturity so it, for me helped me not take things personally. Yeah, personally. I, it, I hit rock bottom. Like I was losing clumps of hair. I couldn't sleep. That was around the time that, I yeah. was having a lot of, you know, having trouble getting pregnant, which I, I know had to have been related. I mean, I don't know, but I'm sure it was related. And I basically just quit my job with no plans. and was like, I just have to get out of here. And as part of that, I was able to look back and realize like, oh my gosh, that actually was so, I was doing a really good job. I was doing as much as I could. I just was a, I was like, my manager was not supportive. She was really sweet, but she was just like a cheerleader and was not actually helping me. 
And B. Yeah, I remember it was like, yeah, this is just how it is. And yeah. you're like, but I'm. And I was like, I'm drowning. She was like, well, you applied for this drowning. job. And I'm like, okay. And, or like, that's, we're all in the boat, same boat. So. Exactly. Suck it up. It was horrible. And, but then I also was able to have this perspective that made me realize like I was actually doing so much better and doing so much more than I realized. And it was just that I was taking everything so hard. Like when a client would come back to me and say like, well, can we do, can we, you know, put a coffee cart at the top of the gondola? And I'd have to go back and be like, no, you can't do that. I would lose sleep the night before about having to tell them no. And then it was like, because in that moment, it was so high pressure. But when I got out of that job, I was able to get this perspective of like, oh, they don't care. I'm not telling them that they personally, like this, this is their job is to ask and my job is to give the answer. And I just needed that separation of like, this is just my job. It's their job is to ask the question and my job is to find out whether or not it's possible. It's not personal if the answer is no. So that made me really like get this amazing mindset shift, which I still have today where it's like, this is not personal. There's that, I think it's Hillary Clinton quote that says, learn how to take criticism seriously, but not personally. Mm-hmm. And I live mm-hmm. by that quote. Mm-hmm. It's at work, at least, where it's like, okay, thank you for telling me that you want me to do something differently. And that doesn't mean there's something wrong with what I was doing. Maybe there was, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. now that's more information and I can just move on. At some point in there, I also got a master's, but we can talk about that. Oh, yeah. I remember. Oh, gosh. So much (laughs) has happened. I got a master's. It only yeah. took a year, so it was like a blip. I got. I have a master's in basically natural. Re, it's technically master's of resource law studies, so it's a master's of natural resource management, effectively. And I got that because I wanted. I thought like, okay, I'm going to go into policy, and because I loved being in the outdoor mm-hmm. industry, right? And so I like I did the legal software thing, and then I did the agency thing, and then I got into the outdoor industry, which is really where I'd always wanted to be. And I was like, oh well, the sponsorship account management thing is not working. Maybe I'll go into policy, got the master's and realized, actually, you can't really work in policy if you don't want to be a lobbyist or an actual lawyer. So then I just went back to marketing, which I love. And that's how I am where I am today. It always reminds me of the conversations we've had over the years where that boss that I had at the DA's office, the DA at the time, George Brockler, I was doing an interview on him. And he said, because I was always so fascinated. Back then, I was really fascinated by people who got to where they were and seemed so successful. And how did you do it? And what made you choose the path that you chose? And he always, he would say things like, you know, as long as you kind of choose things that are within the same zip code of what you want, you're always going to be guided in that direction. Because I think we can get so focused and tunnel vision on, well, I just need to do this thing, which I know some careers, that's kind of how it is. Yeah, but I think there are some careers that you just have. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we kind of open our mind a little bit to taking opportunities that are within the realm of what we're interested in. Totally. I I think we'll be really surprised. I think too, like, It's so easy to talk yourself out of, like I take that feedback and for me, it more so shows up in allowing myself to take opportunities, even if they don't seem like the perfect next thing where it's like, well, I don't want to apply for this job because it's not, you know, it doesn't seem like a perfect fit, even just for me. It's like, well, everybody makes a job a little bit different. Like the the person that's in the role is going to shape that role just as much as the business needs are going to shape it. And so, you know, you have to sort of like allow for that as well. Like the job that I'm in right now, when I started, the person before me had like Excel spreadsheets for everything. And they were like, just fill out these spreadsheets. I was like, no, I'm not that type of person. I literally never once even tried to fill out her spreadsheets because I was like, I know this is not how I think. And I know that if I try to like do it this way, I'm just going to get really bored and want to leave. 
And so it just like, I think if I had known going into it, like, oh, this job is about spreadsheets, I would have been like, oh, I'm not taking that job. But instead, it was just like, here's what you're trying to accomplish. It doesn't really matter how you do it. And so I've been able to make it my own. And then there's always like the idea that I think we do ourselves such a disservice, you know, me thinking now midlife that you have to go into that linear trajectory of going to school, getting a master's degree, following that same path. And career changes, I think, now are way more acceptable than they were in the past, at least for in my generations of you go on one path and you stay on that course and changing jobs was a little bit unheard of. But I think it's just way more, I don't want to say realistic, but just, uh, or acceptable even. It's just, it just, it's just a thing. It's more normal for people to really consider that and be like, well, is this actually what I really want? Because if we think about it too, at least for me, doing the same thing forever and ever and ever for the rest of my life just does, that's not something I can see myself doing. Like, I did clinical work for the first 10-ish years of my career, and then I started doing management. So I don't want to ever do full-time clinical work again. It is exhausting to do clinical work as a therapist. Hats off to the people who can do it full-time for like the majority of their careers. That's just not me. And I think I had to accept that or instead of feeling guilty, like, well, I don't want to do as much clinical work. Maybe I'm, you know losing it whatever like the right the you like need to leave you the tell yourself entirely yeah right and it's like well actually it's just different strengths or and interests are emerging as you get older and you have different skill sets and so i think just allowing us that flexibility of how we think about it is really helpful i think too and Lindsay is kind of talking about this in the chat a little bit it's hard to she says it's hard to even get responses back and then it's it's hard sometimes to even get responses back that it's great to connect with recruiters and network, et cetera. People are so scared just to apply and try. And it's not a net like a net zero game. Like it takes a lot of time. Ap- applying to jobs, interviewing for jobs is exhausting. It is like, you know, take like writing your resume can take the entire day. But I think something I always come back to is I think the people like from the outside, the job I have is very cool. And the, from the inside, it's very cool too. I, I have a cool job. I applied to three jobs at this company before I got in. And I applied, I interviewed, I got all the way through the interview process in two of the instances. And then out of nowhere, you know, I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to go take a different position and was days away from getting an offer for a different role in the company that I was with, but that trade show company I used to work for and where I was doing marketing as well. And I got an email from the hiring manager out of the blue that was just like, hey, we had someone resign this week and I really think her role would be perfect for you. Are you still looking for a job? So I think there's also the piece of like, not only be open to things outside of the zip code or just within the zip code outside of like the narrow path that you might have imagined, but also like keep your doors open and keep your options open. And I mean, I'm grateful the timing worked out the way it did because if that, if she had emailed me even two weeks later, I would have had to be like, I'm sorry, I just accept a different position and I'm going to go this other direction. But Mm -hmm. which also probably would have been fine for it in its own way. But I think like it's easy, like you were saying, Joy, to look at somebody like the DA or I remember my first day in my master's program, it was part of the DU, the University of Denver Law School. So there were a lot of like prestigious lawyers in the Colorado community that came to speak. And every single one of them, the main message was like, if you had told me today that this is where I would be, I would never have believed you, which is so at odds with what we imagine is that they're like, yes, I woke up on the first day of first grade and knew that I was going to join the car. I was going to be the first LGBTQ (laughs) member of the Colorado Supreme Court. Like, that's not how life goes. So I think also like being, especially if if you're younger and you're listening to this, just remembering that it's very, it can feel very two steps forward, one step back. Mm -hmm. 
Well, almost every opportunity that I've had up to this point in my career, I started out being like, I don't know if I want to do that. My first job out of grad school, I'll never forget. My friend was an intern at the DA's office, juvenile diversion program. She was like, there's this open position for a therapist for their diversion program. You should apply for it. And I was like, I don't want to work with adolescents 40 hours a week. You know, I was like, okay, fine. I'm just going to go for it. I ended up working there for 11 years and loved it and had the time of my life and learned so much. And then, you know, working at Kaiser was kind of a similar experience. Like jobs kind of fell into my path. And then when I started working at Headspace, it was I just applied on a whim because I was applying to so many jobs. And someone in the chat just said that they're looking um, for jobs and it's so hard to get responses back. And it's like a full-time job to look for a job. You know, I applied on a whim because I was so exhausted from job searching that I'm like, I'm just going to throw my hat into everything now. And when they called, it was like magic. When they started talking about the role and the company, I was like, this is too good to be true. And so you just never know. You just never know what it is. Like our minds can just be so limiting on what we think and just kind of keeping that, giving yourself a little bit more of those, you know, you never know what's behind door number three attitude. (laughs) All right. Um, There's one more thing before we wrap up the episode, which is that I want everyone to know that Joy has winged eyeliner on. She winged her eye for this podcast episode and also your cute little red nails. Did you get those done for your brother's thing? No, I actually got, I got gel for Jay's ceremony. Oh, I took it off while I was in Maryland because I was like, I can't, I can only do two weeks, like two weeks tops with gel before I get that claustrophobic feeling. So I took it off the day after his ceremony and then I painted my nails last night on my own to help heal from the gel. I used the Sally Hansen's, I think it's called color therapy nail polish because it has like Aragon oil. In oh, it. I got to do that. I had gel on for like it's, over a month and yeah, it is. My nails are so brittle. I yeah. So that. I use the color therapy nail polish to recover my gel nails. So that's why my nails are, are actually done. They're so cute. I saw this nice. Instagram reel that I wanted to ask you about really quickly. And in this reel, mm-hmm. this woman was like, Here's what happened where I, when I painted my nails the same color for an entire year. Oh, I saw that. And I was I like, I don't remind it, remind me. It was just red. I remember seeing it, yeah, it but like it was just red nails. Short yeah. red nails for a year. And first of all, my mind was blown that someone would have their nails painted every day for a year. Maybe that's not what she meant. Maybe she just meant like every time I painted my nails, I always got them done the same way. But it seemed like she meant they had been painted red every single day that year. Is that something you would ever do? Would you ever just like commit I, I, to the I color the whole I think about that year? all the time, just committing to a color. And I actually, I would like, Bobby Brown does that. And she talks about that too, where she's like, I stick with SE. There's an SE red color that she uses. That's all she wears. Whenever you see a video of Bobby Brown, she is always wearing the same red SE nail polish. So I'm, I think about that a lot too, but because um, I have so many nail polish colors, I have to like go through. If anyone has a good, I could Google this. I just feel like I hate wasting like, nail what polish. Do you do so, like, with I, old nail polish. With old yeah. nail polish, I need to Google how to recycle it. Anyway, but sticking with a, a color. I think about that all the time because I'm like, I just don't want to think that hard about it. I yeah. it had never occurred to me that this was like something that people would worry about. But ever since I read that, like maybe I should pick a nail color and just stick with it. A all signature year. color. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm so sick of reading is Taylor Swift's signature red uh-huh. lip color. Every time they do a, a article about her and Travis Kelsey, it's always like, and she wore her signature red lip. I'm like, are we kind of like that's that? what it means if it's a signature? It means she's always wearing it. Stop. Yeah, you know. exactly. Okay, wait, hold yeah, on. We Susie, get it, we get it. Okay. Susie says, Polish Lab Ray and DIY Manny are Instagram accounts owned by the same person. She has the best nail recovery and health and regular polish tips. Please follow them. Changed my nail game. Rat. Polish Lab Rat. Not Polish know. Lab Ray. Polish Lab po- Rat. Polish Lab Rat. Like a lab okay. rat. Polish Lab Rat. Okay. Oh, 
Oh, not love Polish it. Okay, Labre, one... which is what I thought when I first read it. <laughs> one last product tip before we end. I got the Elf lip oil that is featured in the Mean Girls movie. They have so much product placement in this movie. It's really cute. But the Elf lip oil, I've tried it. I can attest that it is fantastic. And so they're just, it's just, it's basically kind of like Vaseline on your on your lips. But I got like a darker color and you can't even, it doesn't come out dark. If anyone wants to try it, has been wondering, I can give five stars. All right, guys. That was a lot. It was a lot. Thanks for my emotional dump. I know you're going to have gonna a little bit of I'm going to name this episode. Vulnerability hangover. Recalibration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really am. All right, guys, please support our sponsor, Ned, helloned.com, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash joy, J-O-Y, or use discount code joy for 15% off your first order. Thank you so much for supporting the brands that support our podcast. It is an amazing way to support us and also to give love to a wonderful brand that we really believe in. You can also support us by telling your friends about our podcast. If you love us, chances are they'll love us too. You can find us on Instagram at joyandclaire underscore. You can email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com and you can go to our website, joyandclaire.com. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye, everybody.